Well, I don't know, a year ago or so, I shared a message on protecting our marriages. And I don't know, maybe six months later, I shared a message on protecting our children. And this morning, I'd like to talk about um, protecting our homes. Um, Preserving the family structure as as God has designed it. My wife and I were traveling east of Goshen a month ago, and we were going to a place that the business name was Rainbow RV. And I don't know why my mind went where it did, but I said, why would you choose a name like that, Rainbow RV? And I was thinking of the alternate lifestyle uh, symbol. I don't know why my mind went there, and she said, and then I said, uh, I forget what I said exactly, Um, but whatever I said, she responded this way. She said, the devil has nothing else to use except what God has designed, and the devil warps everything out of proportion, and I thought, I never, I never thought of it that way before. The devil doesn't have anything to use. He never created anything except one thing I thought of later. The Bible says he's the liar and the father of them. So he created one thing, lies. That's the only thing he ever was able to create. So the devil is trying to destroy everything that God created or established. Includes your marriage, your children, churches, whatever. Authority structure, the Bible's got it all laid out, all in place. I'd like to read something here in the onset, and you can chew the meat and spit out the fat. But I thought it it puts it in a nutshell what I'd like to say this morning. Traditionally, men have been regarded as leaders of their homes, even when their interests are mainly outside of the home. In recent years, women have adopted an emancipated lifestyle which enables them to do everything that men can do. At the same time, they continue their traditional role as homemakers using whatever resources are available in terms of child care and nurseries. Their husbands are reduced to a state of uncertainty, not knowing what to expect of them, and the children are left to search for alternative, alternative father figures among their peers, resulting in crime and disorder. Men have also been reduced to mere spectators in the church so that they don't see much point in going there. And then it asks the question, what does the Bible say about the role of men in the family and in the church? (laughs) 
I'm not going to talk so much this morning about authority in the church as us as men, but more mainly uh, the uh, authority uh, structure of men in the home, men and women alike. We both have, they both have a responsibility. And uh, <clears throat> Satan, as I said, is trying to destroy those uh, that structure that God has set up. <clears throat> In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, it very clearly talks about headship. And uh, <clears throat> a number of years ago, my wife and I took a trip up to the Upper Peninsula, and on the way up there, we stopped at, I think it was along Lake Erie, and there was a pier that went way out in the lake, and we were the only ones there. And we um, got out of our truck and walked out on the pier, and not too long after we were there, a man walked onto the pier and was around there, and then he eventually came up to me and he said, what's the cap on your wife's head all about? And so I told him briefly what it meant. And he flew into a rage. He just ranted and raged. And he thought it was the dumbest thing, I guess, on this side of eternity. (laughs) I don't know if he believed in eternity, but obviously not. But I, I, I just was surprised at his response. And I don't know what his background was or anything. Maybe he had a, a bad experience in a church somewhere. I have no idea. But I was responded or uh, 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 taken back by his response to that. <clears throat> and and a lot of people don't believe in headship. You know, that's sort of a, a, a thing that people try to do away with. And but. It's, it's in all of life, headship is. You start at the president, and you go to the governors, and you go to the mayors, and you go to the state police, and the county police, and the city police. They all have their level, different levels of uh, authority. And, uh, and it's in the church also. God has established it all. And uh, it's in the home. And when the devil can destroy that, He's went a long way to destroy a lot of things. So uh, it's important that we as leaders, uh, men, uh, stay in tune with what God has designed. In the Old Testament, um, it went almost 2,000 years before there was a whole lot of teaching on structure in the home. And then in uh, Deuteronomy, somewhere I I don't remember the chapter, but it says to the fathers and probably the mothers, teach the children as you walk in the way, as you're in the house, you know what it says there, as you live life. Teach your children the importance of living life in the right way. And so uh, 
And then uh, later, and I'll come to this uh, a little bit later, but Proverbs 31 has a lot to say about the structure in the home. And it almost appears like there's more in, in that chapter. Proverbs uh, 31 has the women do everything almost. All the men do is sit in the gate. <laughs> well, it's not quite that way, but it, it almost appears that way. <clears throat> But anyhow, um, it's structure is is something that uh, when the when the home is destroyed, structure almost goes out the window. When my son Layton was in uh, the boys' camps there in Pennsylvania and Maryland. One of the things they tried to teach those boys were structure, was structure. Structure in their lives. And they, they had, when they got up in the morning, they, they flipped their mattress over. <laughs> just, just part of routine. And then they made their bed, and then they brushed their teeth, and then they did this, and then they did that, and, and a whole line of things to establish structure in those boys' lives. Because they didn't have, they, most of them didn't have a clue about structure. And, you know, they got up in the morning and ate whatever they could find in the cupboards, and mom and dad were gone to work, and uh, <clears throat> you name it. Maybe they went to school and maybe they didn't. And so uh, and then they, like this article I read, pretty soon they run into trouble. Because there's nobody to guide them. There's no structure there. Resulting in crime and disorder. Structure is so important in all of our lives. Home structure. Um... I'd like to read uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 14. I'd like to read some verses there. Verses 33 to the end of the chapter. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches and saints. Of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you? Or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commands of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. And then he says this. This is what I want you to... Here, 
Let all things be done in decency and order. God is a God of order. God has set up things the way he sees best for us as human beings, as homes, as churches. God is a God of order. He doesn't just, you know, those boys that I was describing before they went to the camp, they had no order in the home and structure. And they just they just did whatever they had to do to exist. A lot of them, and uh, <clears throat> so they needed order. They needed structure, and so do we. As I already mentioned that. So um, I'd like to turn to uh, the book of Ephesians, <clears throat> uh, chapter five. And. Uh, you know, maybe I'll say this before I read that. You, you've all heard the phrase, um, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And that implies, applies in, in husband-wife wife relationships too. And this summer, I came home... We, you guys all know how the summer was. It was pretty warm. We had some 90-degree days, a number of them. And I came home one day, and I said, "Hun, I said, you got the nicest job on earth. I mean, it's so nice in here in this house. And I just warn you, husbands, don't ever ask your wife that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she did admit she had a pretty nice uh, going this summer, but... Then she reminded me, you know, when we had young children, I used to think um, when you would leave home, man, that guy's got the life. No children to take care of and just just get on the machine and just let it roar and you can just think about nothing all day long. And, and so, you know, we, we have these preconceived ideas of how a wife's life must be and a husband's life must be. And their responsibilities. <clears throat> and so, um, and you know, there's stages of life where, yeah, maybe the wife does have it better uh, than we do. And maybe we have it better than they do sometimes, I'm sure, as husbands. But uh, when it all comes down to it, we all have our responsibilities that we need to fulfill as husbands and wives. And uh, get them done, and sometimes they're not so easy. So, um, where was I? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 through 28. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it. To himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or of any such thing that we should be 
but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet, ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. I'll stop there. <clears throat> so submission is uh, talked about here in this uh, portion of scripture. And that's kind of an unpopular thing also. But it says, you know, typically we think of the wife needing to submit to the man's authority. and But it says there, Submitting yourselves one to another, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what I think that means? I think the wife and husband, they need to talk. They need to dialogue. They need to get each other's input on uh, whatever subject it is. And <clears throat> my wife and I do that. Uh, she straightens me out quite often. She did <laughs> on this sermon. She said, now don't get too strong on some of these issues. And, and she was right. Uh, my wife said I'm not supposed to talk about her, but I can't help it. <laughs> she's my, uh, she's the one that guides me in life a lot of times. And uh, so we talk about things and we discuss things. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's finally my uh, responsibility to come up with a decision uh, whatever it is, <clears throat> so uh, we need to. We it's it's him. If a man runs his home as the big authority and dictator, there's going to be a lot of problems. I'll just tell you that right off. <clears throat> and so uh, we need to dialogue and talk things over and come to a consensus. Uh, hopefully, that's the way we do it as a church. We come to a consensus. And talk things out and get see each other's input. And uh, it works a lot better that way. <clears throat> now that, that portion of scripture has uh, responsibilities for the husband and the wife, doesn't it? So I'd like to go to Titus chapter 2. And there's responsibilities for both parties here also. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2, <clears throat> but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine. Teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine 
and showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he which is the contrary may be contrary uh, part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So here also, uh, men and women are addressed to responsibilities. And uh, earlier I uh, had asked you about, um, or uh, maybe I didn't (laughs) forget where I'm at here, but, oh yeah, I was talking about we think we have it pretty nice or bad sometimes and our women have it pretty good. Um, I, I have an answer for that. <clears throat> when my wife was a little girl 60 years ago, she and her sisters were, some of her sisters were given the responsibility of throwing some wood into the basement <clears throat> of the house there. And so they started doing this and, <clears throat> and then it turned into a game or they were playing house, and pretty soon Raymond came out and her dad and said, why aren't you two girls helping Wanda? And my wife spoke up. She said, I'm the dad, and she's the mom, and she's the girl. Dads do all the work. <laughs> so there you have it, right from a woman's mouth. <laughs> Well, I think she's changed her thinking since then, but uh, I told her to look that up. It's in her baby book at home. I have proof that it was it was actually said. So, but anyway, that's what a little girl perceived, you know, in her little mind. Uh, and so, you know, there's some people that uh, grow up in life and they still have that mentality. I talked to a man just. A month ago, or two months ago, time goes so fast I can't keep up. But anyhow, he said, I went to a, a certain state, and he said, I couldn't find a job. He said, I was overqualified for everything there was to do there. And I thought, I didn't say anything, but I thought, my goodness. If there's a job to do, you qualify, except me. If you're cutting on me, maybe you don't qualify if you want to be a surgeon. But uh, there's some things you, you don't qualify for. But you, if there's a job to do, you, you qualify for it. I mean, if it's shoveling out the gutter in the barn, uh, you, you do it <clears throat> if you need work. Uh, and like I said, there's sometimes maybe we don't qualify for some jobs, like me being a doctor or something. But... Um, <clears throat> It's, it's important that we uh, uh, fulfill our responsibilities, and that brings us to the subject of providing uh, for our homes. Us husbands, we are to be the providers for uh, the physical needs and the, the spiritual. Now, granted, the wife has a lot to do with uh, spiritual teachings. She's, she's holding this uh, baby on her lap and reading her, him or her stories and and before the um, before the child's old enough to go out and help dad, and but you know when dad's in the house, he he has a lot of input also. <clears throat> so it's a it's a, 
situation where each spouse has their responsibility in teaching and to uh, be serious about it and to be a spiritual teacher and meet emotional needs. You know, that's something that I have a son-in-law that told me one time as a little boy, and I don't remember what the situation was, but something happened, and he didn't want to talk about it, so he went behind the couch and hid. And, you know, that's, that's what we do as children. We don't have to know how to deal with something, so we, we uh, get to be inverts, or we just we withdraw sometimes and that little guy he went behind the couch and hid I don't know how long but probably not real long but you know that's our emotional um, needs we need to be met as we as parents and that can be pretty tricky to figure out what's going on in their little minds my one daughter she expressed herself she said she said I feel like a ripped up ball inside and she was just really young, and that's the way she felt inside. And she remembers saying that, <clears throat> and, uh, and I don't remember what the issue was anymore, but uh, parents need to be in tune with their children at a young age to help them through those emotional times, emotional upheavals. I remember a lot of that in my upbringing. Fathers, if you don't provide for your home, you're worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. You do qualify for a job that needs to be done. And then once in a while I hear, I read of a stay-at-home dad. And that flies in the face of what God designed, in my opinion. Whenever I hear about a stay-at-home mom, my heart warms. Whenever I hear about a stay-at-home dad, I have problems in here. I don't, I can't identify with that. Can you? Well, um, back to children again. <clears throat> There's a verse in the Bible that says, talks of, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I think it talks about, um, doesn't nature itself teach you that long hair is a nuisance for a man, in my own words? And I'd like to say this morning, doesn't nature itself teach you or teach us how how am I supposed to say this? <clears throat> Doesn't nature itself teach you how children? Um, well, let me let me say it this way. A little boy walks over to a doll. How does he pick it up? Probably by the hair or the foot. A little girl, she'll go over there and she'll pick it up, nine chances out of ten, and note this little doll. It's just natural. It's natural for a woman to be at home in the house taking care of children. 
Now, when that little girl, if she goes over and gets the tractor, she can't make diesel sounds like a boy can. She just can't do it. But a boy, he'll get a hold of that little tractor, and he'll go roaring around the living room uh, making diesel sounds, whatever that is. And um, I used to mimic John Deere putt-putts, you know, the pop-pop. <laughs> and uh, I played a lot in the sandbox with my next older sister, and we built fences and farm land and all kinds of things and maybe she was um, <clears throat> intrigued by my interests I don't know but but nature itself teaches us that men are the breadwinners and um, women are keep to be keepers at home and to uh, take care of children and in their infant years and their small years not that men don't help um, change diapers I changed my share I guess in my day but uh, <clears throat> it's something that I didn't really enjoy well my wife probably didn't either but we did it I mean it was a job that had to be done so I qualified so I did it and uh, <clears throat> so we uh, we observed you know, I think what Terrell read this morning, something about nature teaches us things. They're in Psalms. Um, it does. There's a lot of things we can learn from nature and, and how little boys and girls react to certain things, like dolls or tractors. I have two grandsons. When they walk in the shop, all they can see is that skid loader. Oh, they just love skid loaders. They want to get on it and ride it and tractor. And and my granddaughters, they never acted interested in, in that sort of thing but they're they're all into dolls my one granddaughter just recently or a month or so ago got a doll somebody gave her a doll and she was all proud of that thing and rightly so uh, that's going to be her life someday you know if time lasts and god willing and so <clears throat> we need to encourage uh uh, boys to be boys and girls to be girls. None of this transgender stuff. You know, I might get my head lopped off for saying this, but um, I a month ago, I, I hadn't thought of um, Mike Huckabee in years. I, I really honestly think so. But some reason, I thought, Mike Huckabee, that thing came, my name came into my mind, and and so I went to the computer and got on YouTube, and I typed in Mike Huckabee, and a picture came up of Mike Huckabee interviewing um, Rick Rigsby. I had no idea who Rick Rigsby was, so I clicked on it, and it was a I don't know a twelve minute interview and Mike Huckabee interviewed that man because of a book that he wrote and the title of the book was Lessons Learned from a Third Grade Third Grade Dropout and he was it was about his dad now Rick was is a black man and he's big and I forget the, the thing that amazed Mike Huckabee was the number of reviews that this book had online. It was like 
300 million or something like that. And people are looking for answers, folks. And Rick Rigsby had a lot of answers in that book to life's issues. We are facing things that we've never heard of before today. And in that interview, it blessed me so much. I think I'll make it an assignment. Everybody here has to listen to that sometime. I mean, they were talking about quality men and quality women. I mean, they were talking about being accountable. Rick, he said he had 12 sets of parents and 24 eyes looking at him all the time, keeping him on the straight and narrow, it seemed like to him. And Mike Huckabee said, my dad was very patriotic and disciplined. He said, he'd lay on the stripes and I'd see stars. <laughs> and so those men knew what it was to be disciplined uh, for their behavior. And they were held accountable. And you just listened to it. It was so inspiring, kind of like Ron's testimony this morning. Uh, it's amazing I didn't have a clue who Rick Rigsby was, but I know kind of who he is now. He's a man of faith. He grew up in a God-fearing home, and his dad had to quit school in the third grade so he could help on the farm so they could make ends meet. And they, Rick didn't give any room for excuses that other people do for you what you can do for yourselves. You do it. You do it. Rick lost his wife to cancer. And he said he was standing at the casket with casket with two little boys crying. And he told his dad, I've lost hope. He said, his dad said, no, you haven't, Rick. He said, you've lost perspective. It is so easy to lose perspective in troublesome times, tough times. We lose perspective. We forget the whole picture. We lose sight of the whole picture. God was taking Rick Rigsby through that time for a purpose. Not to hammer him down, but to build him up. That's what it was all about. And he recognized that after his dad instructed him. He needed somebody to guide him even in that uh, age of life. So, <clears throat> enough said. Um, men, be men. And sisters, women, be women. Oh, yeah, I was going to turn to Proverbs 31. And I'm not going to say a lot there. But I just wonder, you know, it it talks here about, um, oh, yeah, back to the thing of women being keepers at home. My mom and dad were hard workers and... My, man, my dad was a very smart man, and he, if I had a math problem, he could figure it out, no problem. And I was never very good at math. 
but he could he could figure angles and anything he wanted to he could figure it out he should have been an engineer he built a sawmill he built band mills uh, band saws and built numerous barns in the community and houses and sheds and and uh, Isaac Weaver's barn over here on State Road 19 he built after Isaac's first barn burnt down still standing of course you got to maintain them but <clears throat> A problem arose in Dad's life that he had to deal with, and it wasn't a pleasant experience. Some of him and his brother-in-laws had to go deal with the situation, and Mom took up baking to help that family. She gave the proceeds to that family, and that was a good thing. And Mom grew up a poor girl. She her dad died in, when she was 14 or 15, and they were a poor family growing up there in Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, and her mom, yes, here we go. Her mom became a single parent. <clears throat> she had all the responsibilities. And that's one thing that Rick Rigsby talked about. He said, Thank God for single parents. Now that may sound bad right at first, but you think about it. If it wouldn't be for that responsible spouse to stay at home, man or woman, and take care of their children, where would their children end up if there are children in the situation? I think our single parents deserve a standing ovation for standing in the gap. Their spouses, I don't know where, maybe death, but maybe other things. <clears throat> Their partner walked away, and they have the whole load all by themselves, it seems sometimes. And that's the way my grandma Lehman had it. <clears throat> she had some older boys. They were probably 18, 17, 16, somewhere there. So they, she, she had good helpers. But it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And I think probably what um, prompted my mom to continue the baking after the need was fulfilled that she was helping with prompted her to continue keep baking and it, there was a price to be paid. Mom was always home. I can only remember time, one time that my mom was not home when I came home from school. And I had, it, it didn't make me feel good in my, in here. I, something was wrong, something. And my mom and dad went uh, shopping somewhere and didn't get home in time. But that's the only time I ever remember my mom not being home when, as a young boy. But my emotional needs were not met as a young boy because mom was baking bread. And I'm not saying this to downgrade them. I'm it's a sensitive area in my life that I'm pretty strong on mom staying at home, ask my wife. There were some times that she wanted to do some things and I kind of drug my feet. But I, she made, her and her sisters made sleepers for little babies, infants, years ago. And, you know, it was probably sort of a recreation to them and 
Uh, <clears throat> and I don't want to get too dogmatic about this thing because every situation is different. But for me, I, I just couldn't have my wife working outside the home, even, in, even if she was home, doing things that uh, would distract her from her responsibilities and making sure her emotional need, the emotional needs were met in her children, our children. I never went hungry a day in my life, but I didn't always have clean clothes to wear, and little boys need guidance in keeping clean. I took a bath once a week, whether I needed it or not. <laughs> and uh, that's the way my dad grew up, so that's the way I grew up, you know. And, and my dad wore the same chore clothes all week. And you could have stood him in a corner at the end of the week, I think. But, um, <clears throat> but back to this, yeah, back to single parents. Single parents. It, like I said, they have a huge responsibility and people I'm sure come alongside and help and you know family does that and it's but it's still a huge task I can there are mothers right now who have a very responsible husband and they are just snowed under with I don't know what it is but it's a huge responsibility to take care of a family and meet all the emotional needs of the children and all the responsibility of canning and cooking. And, of course, you know, those seasons come and go when we're busy and when we're not so busy. And But it's, uh, <clears throat> I just hear it all the time. Mother's just about going under because uh, of all the responsibilities that come their way. And I can't imagine how a single parent would do it. And obviously, like I said, family kicks in. Thank God for that. So I think our single parents need a standing ovation for all the work and all they put up with in, in life. And so uh, my question here in uh, Proverbs 31, it appears that, I mean, she, like I said early on, she does almost everything. She brings the food in from afar, verse 14. She rises at night, and um, she has maids. I do notice that. So she does have help. And then she's out buying fields. I don't understand that. I don't know the culture in that day, and I don't know for sure what the author is trying to say here. She plants a vineyard. Yeah, my wife plants a garden. I help when I can <clears throat> she uh, she that her merchandise is good her candle goeth not out by night she is constantly on duty she stretches her hand out to the poor to the needy she's not afraid of the snow and her household is clothed with scarlet. The best, I would take that to mean. Really good stuff. And her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. You figure it out. That's another assignment. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the structure of the home that you've set up. <clears throat>
And I pray a special blessing on each home here this morning. Just pray that you would give the husband wisdom as he leads out. Strengthen the wife for the huge task of raising little children. The responsibility of teaching those little souls. Lord, I pray a special blessing on the single parents that are here today. Just encourage their hearts, strengthen their spirit. Lord, thank you for meeting our needs from day to day. Thank you that you are in control and that nothing happens without a purpose. You don't just fling us down here on earth without guidance. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So Lord, just give us wisdom as parents, as grandparents, as we make an impact on our grandchildren's lives and our great-grandchildren. So Lord, thank you for your love, grace, and mercy again and for your love to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.